You know, I know for some of you, that kind of change would be, really would be your worst nightmare. You would struggle with it. Others, we kind of think, that's cool, we thrive on change. Uh, I understand the differences that we all, you know, feel about that word change. Uh, some of us see it as something that's, you know, awesome, we need to engage in as much as possible. Others, uh, we look at change as a four-letter word. I get it, I understand. I had a guy come to me, young man, young husband, not too long ago, and he said, uh, I don't know what to do with my wife. I think she's addicted to change. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I never know when I come home whether she's going to be a redhead or a blonde, whether the TV's going to be in the TV room or in the basement. I don't know what we're going to have for dinner. And, and the, does she fix something I like? I never get the same thing twice because she's always changing things. And I hate change. And I told him, I said, listen, I understand. In your marriage, it sounds like you've got someone who thrives on it and someone who hates it. And then I looked at him, and being the kind, passionate, you know, compassionate pastor that I am, I said, I guess it's good that she hasn't changed husbands yet. <laughs> I know, again, the struggle many of us face when it comes to, to change. But here's my conviction. I think that when, if and when, we see it as something that's good for us, then we tend to embrace it a lot quicker. Uh, when your boss gives you a raise, is that a good change or a bad change? Woohoo! that's a good change. Uh, when you lose a little weight or get in shape, that's generally a good change. When your day, you're a neighbor with the, the demonized, non-stop barking dog moves, trust me, that's a good change. When your spouse finally agrees with you on something you've been trying to convince him or her of for a long time, again, that's a good change. And since it's Mother's Day, and I, I, we haven't experienced this in a long time, but I'm watching my grandkids go through it, it's a great change, a great day when your children finally get potty trained. woo Yeah. <laughs> It's a, that's a good change. So even the most conservative change-avoiding person tends to like change when they see it as something that's good and good for them. What I hope, what I've been praying for, and my desire for you is that you'll leave here today being willing to pray this prayer, God, change me. And that you'll do so because you see it as something that's good for you. We started a series uh, last week called Three Prayers, God always answers. And I said, these are three prayers that I promise you, guarantee you, that every time you pray these prayers, God will respond and you'll get an answer. And last week, the prayer was, God, forgive me. And I said to you, and I stand on that, that God will always, consistently, no matter what, forgive us. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, it doesn't matter. The promise from the scriptures is that God will forgive us. God always answers that prayer, God, forgive me. I also said last week a couple things about prayer that were foundational that I want to remind you of briefly. One is that prayer is not all about prayer, that prayer is about God, and that sometimes we get a nasty habit or a perspective of prayer that says, what if I don't say the right prayer, and, and I, I don't know what to say, and we get all tweaked out and freaked out about prayer because we forget it's about having a conversation. Prayer is not about prayer. Prayer is all about God, talking with him. And the second thing I said related to that is that God wants to have ongoing conversational prayer with him all the day, all day long, all throughout our day. Every time uh, we face something that's bigger than us that we need him or that we're just grateful for, we need to say, oh, God, thank you. And we can be engaged in prayer, conversational prayer all the time. This is another one of those prayers that we can pray, and I would encourage you to pray on a regular basis all throughout your day. God, change me. God, transform me, change me, mold me into the image of your son. You see, I'm convinced that even the most change-resistant person recognizes, especially if you're a Christ follower, you recognize 
that here's where you are and here's where you need to be. And maybe it's here and here, maybe it's here and here, maybe it's, I don't know. But we all know that we're not perfect yet. We haven't arrived yet. And if you think you're perfect, let me just give you a little insight here. You're not. And there's always something that needs to continue to be changed and developed in us by God and by his work in our lives. And so I want you to understand that, that you can embrace change when you see it in the concept, context of something you need from God. But before we get into some things about how to make that happen, I want to talk about some realities about change. I'm going to punch through all of this pretty quickly today. But let's just come to a common understanding about some realities regarding change. And here's the first one. When it comes to our growth, change is God's will. When it comes to our spiritual growth in particular, but our maturity, change is always God's will. The Apostle Paul wrote this powerful change admonition found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He wrote, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. He says, I beg you, I'm urging you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, many of us, what we just experienced with the band, we would call worship. And it's commonly referred to by Christ followers, by the church, as a time of worship. And we think of that often. We would, our default definition of worship would be, well, time of singing, time of gathering together to worship God and with music and with our voices. And though that is absolutely a part of our worship, I don't think it's even the most important part. That our entire life is to be an offering to God, an act of worship to Him. So what we say, what we do, the way we serve others, the way we serve Him, our lives are to be a living sacrifice, an act of worship to God. Verse 2, Romans 12 says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but listen. It says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It's an important phrase here. Let God transform you. From the inside out, let him transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This passage challenges us to not be conformed to the world around us, not be pressed into the mold of what's happening in our culture or into their way of thinking, but in fact to be transformed by the work of God's Spirit into someone who looks like, sounds like, and lives like a lot more like Jesus. And by the way, that's an ongoing process. We cooperate with that ongoing work of God in our lives. Again, you're never going to arrive. I'll just give you this promise. You're never going to get to the point where you think, I finally made it. You're never going to hear the, you know, the, the ding go off in the God oven. You're done. It's, it's, it's never going to be that way. We're always going to be in process. And our part is to cooperate with that, which we'll talk more about in a moment. So here's reality 101. We all need to change. Every one of us needs to change if we are to become the men and the women that God wants us to become in him. And so the first reality is change is necessary because it is God's will. Here's the second reality. Change is unavoidable. Now again, some of you, you should see the look on some of your faces because you, you hate the C word. And you don't like hearing that change is unavoidable. You're the kind of person, and I know who you are. You're the one who sets your clothes out every night for what you're going to wear the next day. You know what you're going to have for breakfast on Thursday. You, you already know what you're going to watch on TV on Tuesday night. You've got your whole life planned out, and you've got it all organized, and you don't like change. You're comfortable with the way things are, thank you very much. But here's a reality. Change is unavoidable. In fact, nothing living remains static. 
Nothing living remains the same. Truth is, nothing dead stays the same either. It eventually decays into dust. But nothing living remains static. It's always changing, always adjusting, always uh, adapting and getting better or stronger. It's getting better and stronger or worse. And that's always a, a part of this world we live in and the change all around us. And so some of you hate and resist change, but the truth is change is happening all the time and all around us. And God made us, he made us with the ability to adapt. And that's what I love about this, this, the way he created us, is that believe it or not, even those of you who hate change, you can change. He made you with the ability to adapt and to grow. Years ago when I worked downtown um, L.A., I was in the banking industry, and I had to drive at least an hour every day from where I lived to downtown. One hour there into downtown L.A. on the L.A. freeways, also known as parking lots, and then an hour home every night. And that's if there weren't any accidents or the weather wasn't too bad, which was often the case. Over two hours of my day, five days a week, sometimes more than that, was spent on a highway driving. And I think about that now, and I just go, how did I survive that? I can't believe I did that. I mean, it would be my worst nightmare now. I can't stand driving on the freeway, especially in Southern California. But why did I do, how could I do that? Because I have this God-given, listen, God-given ability to adapt and change. He made us that way. Change is unavoidable, and change is possible as well. But change is all around us. Our bodies are changing. The culture around us is changing. You know, this is going to shock some of you, but if you're my age, uh, when I was born, there were, there were only 48 states. Did you know that? Some of you are going, dude, you are really old. Yeah, Alaska and Hawaii didn't get introduced into the Union until 1959. And being born in 1957, which is a good year for Chevys, by the way, there were only 48 states, 48 stars on the flag. And trust me, in my 56 years, a lot's changed in our country. Technology has changed like crazy, and it's changing at an unbelievable rate. Remember when cell phones used to look like this? <laughs> I had one of those. They were cool because it was a cell phone slash weapon. It was, and that, that were, the, the earlier ones were even these big black boxes. They're huge. And I know some of you have got smartphones now, and you're this little thing. You can't imagine. You know, sooner or later, they're just going to put a phone on our head somewhere, and it'll be an implant. Change is happening all around us, and it's unavoidable. And that's what I want you to understand. Not only is it God's will, not only is it necessary, but it's unavoidable. And so why am I saying this? Some of you are really frustrated. Because the sooner you accept that reality, uh, there'll be a little less frustration in your life. A little less tension when you understand things change. Here's another reality. Change is sometimes difficult. Maybe often difficult. And again, I want to get real. Uh, even if you're a change junkie, and you thrive on change. Change can be a struggle and even, even painful at times. And I, I understand that reality. As a kid, I remember laying in bed, just aching, and I'd call my mom and, Mom, Mom, I hurt. Where? Everywhere. And she'd say, oh, honey, it's just growing pains. You'll be fine. Remember growing pains? Some of you haven't grown yet, like Teresa. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in there. But <laughs> if my mic goes out, you know why. She's in the back. <laughs> Anyhow, some of us, uh, we've experienced that. We know it's like, again, our bodies are changing. And sometimes they're unwelcome changes. 
Uh, this last week, I was, my day off, Laura and I took my grandson Caleb downtown. That boy loves to go to the park, loves to walk outside. He wear us out, and he just has a blast. So we took him down to Riverview, and we're walking everywhere and playing on everything. And I went down by the river, and I set him on the wall. And I didn't sit him on the bridge rail. I set him on this wall that's near the river. And uh, he's sitting there. I'm trying to get a picture of him and Grandma, and he's got his Yankee cap on. Now, I don't want emails. I'm not a Yankee fan. But I did buy him that cap because his dad's a Yankee fan. So it's cute to watch his dad and, and, and his son wear their Yankee caps. But he's sitting on this wall, and I'm getting ready to take his picture. And he <laughs> gets this mischievous look on his face. And before I know it, he's taken his cap off, and he's chucked it over the wall. Now, I bought that cap, and it was 1999. so guess what? I don't care if it is a stinking Yankee cap. I'm going after it. So I climb over this wall, and I'm telling you, I'm embarrassed to tell you, I felt like I was 100 years old <laughs> trying to figure out how to get on this thing and get over it and then get down without collapsing, going down into the bushes and God knows what, and getting the cap and then coming back up. And coming back up was even harder, getting up over the wall. And I'm looking around, praying to God there's nobody from East Point there. Because <laughs> I seriously am out of shape and look terrible. Bad back, bad knees, old guy trying to get over a wall. It was terrible. Sometimes our bodies have unwelcome changes, don't they? Can I get an amen? <laughs> I understand that reality. I really do. Change is sometimes difficult. But you know what? If you're in a relationship with someone, there was some difficulty in that relationship. There is, there will be difficulty. And, and here's what I want you to see. That that, that difficulty, that, that struggle actually can produce stronger and healthier relationships. You see, if you've got a great marriage, I, I promise you it came through great effort. A lot, of, a lot of hard work, a lot of struggles, a lot of arguments, a lot of fights, a lot of, I can't believe I said that, I can't believe you said that. A lot of things we've got to work through. If you've got a great friendship, it didn't happen by accident. I mean, you might have connected with somebody pretty quickly and thought, well, we really are just two peas in a pod. But still, there's tension and there's struggle and there's challenges in any relationship. Change is unavoidable, and change is sometimes a challenge and difficult for us, but change is what gets us to where we need to be. Now, why am I saying all this? Because I want you, instead of drifting to your comfort zone and trying to avoid change at all costs, instead of rejecting it and, and, and refusing to change, I want you to embrace it. I want you to see it as God's will and necessary. I want you to see it as something that truly is unavoidable, and I want you to embrace it even when it's hard as something that can, when God works through it and you allow him to, can help you grow and become the person he wants you to become. See, I think we need a change in our perspective of change. We need a change in our understanding of change. All right, those are some things that hinder us and, and some things that, that are some realities we need to deal with. Let's talk about five things that get in the way that can stop us from praying that God change me prayer. And I'll punch through, through these pretty quickly. The five things that can stop us from praying that prayer, God changed me. The first thing is ignorance. It's the attitude, I don't see it, I don't get it, I don't understand. And listen to me, despite what you've been told, ignorance is not bliss. It's not a good thing. It's not God's desire for you. Ignorance is not his intent for us. He wants us to grow. God wants us to see our need for change. Proverbs 8, 5 says, you who are childish, immature, get some good sense you are foolish, gain understanding. So God wants us to grow. Here's the second hindrance. Apathy. 
and I see this all the time. It's the anti says, I really don't care. Whatever. I don't care. I don't want to change. It doesn't matter to me. And here's a little insight for you. Apathy is not a virtue. It's not a good attitude. Apathy, in fact, not only will it hinder your growth and your transformation into the man or woman God wants you to be, but it can actually kill. It's a deadly virus that will kill your progress and kill your growth. Apathy. Here's the third one. Fear. Man, I run into this all the time. That's the attitude. It says, I don't know what to expect, so I'm not going there. And we're, we're terrified. We're afraid. Fear hinders us from growing and becoming and embracing change. Too many of us go through life like this guy with our head in the sand. <laughs> and we think that's a safe place to avoid hurt and pain. But think about it. Is that guy really safe right now? Not so much. We need to understand that fear hinders us, and so we need to move beyond that. Fear will fail us every time. Only faith in the truth, only faith in God will get us where we need to be and free us. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the fourth hindrance to our growth. It's unbelief and doubt. Unbelief and doubt. And this attitude says, I don't think I can or will change. I, and I, I don't think I can. I don't, it's not with, I've tried I've been there, it's, I struggle, this is never going to happen, I'm never going to get there. Or if we don't think it about ourselves, we think it about someone else. You don't know my husband, you don't know my spouse, you don't know my friend, you don't know my kid, you don't know my dad. They're never going to change. And I, I just want to identify that for what it is. It's unbelief and doubt. And there's something deep within us that questions, personally, am I good enough? Can I get there? Can I really change? Is it possible? And I want you to hear some incredibly good news today. Left to our own, all by ourselves, probably not. But with God, the Bible says nothing is impossible. Mark 10, 27, all things are possible with God. All things. Nothing is impossible for him. And so that doubt and that fear that we have, we don't have to stay there. We can put our hope in him. Well, here's one more thing, the fifth and final, and I think the most hindering attitude that will stop us from praying the God change me prayer is this one. Stubbornness and hard-heartedness. Stubbornness and hard-heartedness. That's the attitude that says, I don't want to and you can't make me. Not going to happen. Leave me alone. Get out of here. Get out of my face. I don't want to. And it's not going to happen. And that is stubbornness and hard-heartedness. And this is where we stick our fingers in our ears and close our eyes, refusing to even think about or look at what we must change. And that's not a good thing. That attitude breaks the heart of God. Because when we become stubborn and hard-hearted, that's when we basically are rejecting him and rejecting his work in our lives. So there's some realities, some hindrances, some things that get in the way that can actually stop us or kill our effort to change and grow. Well, how can we? Let me get very practical with you. What are some things that we can do to cooperate better with God to be transformed? to become the people, the person, the man or the woman that he wants us to be. Well, it starts with a willing heart. It starts with a willing heart. Not apathy on the one hand, not hard-heartedness or stubbornness on the other, but a desire for change. To say, God, uh, whatever it takes. I, I know this is probably going to be hard. It might be painful. I'm not very comfortable. I'm not very happy. But God, if that's what it takes, whatever it takes. And I tell you, that's a scary prayer, 
But that's an amazing prayer to pray. To say, God, I am willing. I want to become that person you want me to become. David prayed in Psalm 1914. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's David saying, God, may everything about me be pleasing to you, and if it's not, change me. Psalm 26, 2, David said, test me, Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. What an amazing attitude. What an amazing prayer. What an amazing position to take with God. Jesus, I want to become more like you, so test me, Lord. Try me. Examine my heart and my mind. That's the attitude. That's the willing heart that says, whatever it takes, God, I'm yours. I want you to work in and through me. See, change begins with a heart that says yes to God. You know that your relationship with God began with a yes. Stop and think about it. If you're a Christ follower today, your relationship was initiated with that one simple word, yes, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I, I know I need a Savior. Yes, I've sinned. Yes, I surrender my life to you. Our relationship with God begins with that powerful and yet simple word, yes. And guys, listen to me. It continues. We continue to change and grow and become all that God wants to become as we continue to say yes. We experience the adventure, the life, the John 10, 10 abundant life God has for us as we say yes to him. It starts with a willing heart that says yes. Most of you know that years ago, um, I was on staff at Life Center, our mother church. They sent us out 10 years ago to plant this church. And when I first went on staff at Life Center, I was the children's pastor. I worked over Adventureland. And uh, I, one Wednesday night, I uh, taught a message on serving and, and trying to encourage people and get involved and to help. And it, specifically, since I was the children's pastor, I talked about the opportunity to serve kids. And, and I don't think there's any greater privilege than to serve the little ones. And Jesus blessed them and wanted us to, to treat them well and to honor them and, and to invest in their lives. And I taught about that. And after the service, a young woman, probably 25, 26, came up to me. And I'll call her Stella, not her real name. But she said, Pastor Kurt, she said, I, I really appreciate, you know, your, what you said. And I really want to get involved. And I think I'd love to get involved in Adventureland. She said, I'm a new Christian. I've only been walking with Jesus for about six months, and I don't know hardly anything about the Bible. So I figured I'll just learn right alongside with the kids. And I said, that's awesome. That's great. Thank you. She said, she said but I, I need to tell you something. She said, Kurt, I, six months ago I was a stripper. Now, I'm not doing that anymore since I gave my life to Jesus, but that's what I did for a long time. And she said, for over 10 years I wrestled with substance abuse, with drug abuse, from 16 to about 26. She said, I've been clean for quite some time, and, and I've, you know, I've, 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 I've surrendered my life to Jesus. So I'll, but I understand if you don't want somebody like me working with the kids. And I, I looked at her, and I said, Stella, I said, I am so honored that you would want to serve and to serve the little ones, and that you have said yes to Jesus, and that you've begun that journey, and that you're still saying yes to him. It begins with this attitude with this heart, this willing heart that says yes to him. But here's the next thing. Change is facilitated as we surrender our fears, our doubts, and our unbelief to God. Not only do we have to say yes to God, which is where it begins, but there's this part of us that has to surrender up our fears, our doubts, and our unbelief to him. And rather than focus then on the problem or focus on us, we learn to focus on God. Now, we don't ignore our problems. We don't deny our 
opportunities for growth. We don't deny those things or ignore them at all. But we've, we've got to learn to put our focus and our attention on Him. Because God is more committed than we can possibly imagine to change us, to our development, to our growth. And so rather than getting focused on us, what we've done, what we were, what we're struggling with, the Bible admonishes us to fix our eyes on Him, on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jude 1.24 says this, and I love this verse. It says, God is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Powerful statement says, God is able. You think, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Well, deal with this fear by not looking at your ability, but looking at Him and His commitment. The Bible says God is able to keep you. I love what Paul wrote to the Philippian church in Philippians 1, verse 6. He said, I am certain, I'm convinced, I am, there's no question in my mind. I am certain that God, listen, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and you're thinking, well, that's not us. I know, but the principle is still true. The application is still for us as well. That God is able and that he will continue his work until it's finally finished. I don't think most of us have any idea how committed God is to get us to where we need to be. And he'll use whatever means necessary to get us there. And what I want you to hear today is that our hope is in him. It is in him always and forever. Our hope is in his power. And ultimately, here's the last thing I want to say. The process of change and our growth continue as we learn to function in his power. We say yes to him. We understand that he is able to do what we could never do on our own. And then we cooperate with God. There's this cooperative effort on our part. It's not all about us. It's not what we can do. It's what we do with him, in God, through Christ, in and through and by him. And the process of change and growth continue as we function. Learn to operate in the power of God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Glory to God who is able, there it is again, who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine by his power at work within us. God is able to go beyond even our ability to fathom it, to imagine it. And what's the power that he uses? Is it my power? Is it our power? No. By his power at work within us. And later in that same book in Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul said, now here's the key. Go be filled. Be being filled. Live in this fullness of the Holy Spirit. Be being filled by the power of God. See, we leak. We, 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 we live in a world that drains us of our power from him. And so we keep coming back as empty vessels and saying, God, I, I need more of you in my life. What I love about this and what I want you to, to, to walk out of here with today and what I want to leave you with is this reminder, we're never alone. Some of you thought, I, I will never change in that area. I can never get there. I'll never become that person that I want to be or that God wants me to be. But what I want you to hear today is that we're not alone in our struggle to become or left our own devices and our own power. All God asks of you is to say yes to surrender your life to him. He asks you to understand who he is, to put your focus and attention on him, and then to be filled, to walk in and live in his power. F.B. Meyer once put it this way. I love this. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, 
but unoffered prayer. And I want to encourage you today to not leave here with an unoffered prayer. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to ask God, change me, God. Change me right now. Change me into the man or the woman I know you want me to become. And then understand this truth that your life does not get better by chance. It gets better by change. Your life in Christ does not get better by chance. It gets better by chance. By your heads, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your commitment to get us where we need to be. As individuals who follow you, who love you, as a church, that you are more committed to us than we can even begin to imagine. And God, where some of us have been hopeless or struggled with doubt and fear, I pray today that you replace that, Lord, with hope in you and that you would help us to fix our eyes on the one who is our answer and the strength that we need and that we would receive from you that power that comes through and by and in, living by and living in the power of the Holy Spirit and that we will leave here today encouraged by this truth. Change is sometimes hard, but God, you're going to get us where we need to be as we just keep saying yes to you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet begun your life as a Christ follower. You've not said that very first yes to God. Or maybe for a long time you have been saying no. Once upon a time in your life you said yes to him, but now you've wandered off. But today you realize, I need to say yes. I need to be in relationship with God. And I'm going to give you in a moment just an opportunity to, to own a prayer. To, to, I'm going to say a simple prayer. What I'm going to ask you to do is just say, yep, God, that's me. That's my prayer. That's what I want. And if you are willing to say yes and to begin your life as a Christ follower, transformed by his spirit, they go, don't I have to change and get all things figured out? No. You don't have to clean up anything. You just come to him as you are and say, now, God, here I am. I surrender my life to you and I say yes to you. And then you watch what he does by his power, by his spirit in you. If that's you today, you want to begin that life as a Jesus follower, as a Christ follower, then make this prayer yours. Father, I need you. Today I say yes to you. Yes, I need a Savior. Yes, I need forgiveness. Yes, I need what Jesus did for me on that cross to pay the penalty for my sins. Yes, I surrender my life to you. Yes, today. I begin this journey of following you. I'm yours. Yes, I love you. Now, if that's you in your, in your own way, just say, yeah, God, that really is my prayer. That's what I want. The Bible says the minute you do, that second you say yes to him, you become his child, and the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. I know you don't understand all of what that means, but you will be changed by the Spirit of God dwelling within you, changing you from the inside out become his child and now you have all the resources of heaven at your disposal to become that person you know you can and want to be in him God seal that work in their hearts today those that are making that decision show them what it means to be yours and as they've said yes to you from this moment on now I pray God that they continue to say yes for the rest of their lives and I pray it in Jesus name amen let's stand together we're going to finish one last song I love this song and it really is a prayer and it is a declaration that I hope you can pray today. We're going to give. The ushers are going to pass the offering baskets. If you've got a communication card, you can drop it in. Give to support what God is doing around here, to bless what God is doing, and to help us extend the kingdom around this place. But let's give as we worship and make this prayer yours, and I'll come back and wrap it up. Love that song. It says it so well.
The only thing I change is instead of my flesh may fail, my flesh will fail. My God, you never will. That's our hope. And we keep putting our hope in him. Today, if you begin your life as Christ follower, you said yes. I encourage you to do a couple things. Tell somebody, come tell me. Let us pray with you. Tell the person who brought you today. Uh, back of the tables, uh, by the door, there's a packet. Uh, it says for new believers, got a Bible. Some material gets you started and walk with Jesus. Please pick one of those up. But we want to walk with you in this journey and stand with you as you continue to say yes to him. If you'd like the baby bottles and you want to take some of those, they're at the information counter. You can pick those up and take them with you. Prayer team will be down front. We've got a newly enhanced and trained and enlarged and trained prayer team. If you need prayer, please come down for prayer. Communion is available on both sides of the room but today as well. And my prayer for you is this, you'll go this week and you'll continue to say yes and be transformed by the power of God's Spirit working in and through you guys. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Have a great Mother's Day.